Good morning, good morning, good morning. I hope you guys are uh, doing awesome and a uh, beautiful, beautiful week. Lots going on. Um, some not so good stuff going on in our world right now, especially uh, with what happened down in Texas at that school, that elementary school. Such a sad, sad, sick, evil thing. And these things seem to be happening more and more. It probably should come as no surprise to us because we know that the enemy has been allowed to have his way. And uh, all he needs is some people to help him carry out his evil deeds. And that's what's going to happen. And so we definitely pray for those families I cannot imagine what that must be like for a parent whose child was brutally uh, murdered in that way. And so um, pray, we can pray for them and ask God just to, to be with them and comfort them. In the meantime, we are uh, talking about walking by faith because we live in a world that is not. I mean, clearly many people are not. There are many who don't care about the faith. They don't care about God. They don't care about biblical truth. They don't care about living godly lives. They just don't care. Anything goes for them. And so we are, we truly are the, the light of the world in the world. God is like, if he's living in us, we are the salt of the earth. We are, we are because of Jesus, the only hope that the world has. And outside of Jesus and his truth, there is no hope for the world. And so we decide which side are we going to be on? Are we going to be on the side of the world that has no hope and is headed for eternal punishment? Or are we going to jump on the side of God and we're going to strive to be the light of the world in this dark world and walk our lives by faith? Okay, that's what we choose to do. And so the question is, what does this mean to us? What does this mean to you to walk by faith? What, what does that even look like for you? To walk by faith. I mean, it's a big question. It's a question that we need to wrestle with because we need to come up with an answer. We need to figure it out. We need to figure out for our own lives, what does it mean for me, John, to walk by faith in this world? And then I just need to get busy doing that. Like, do that. Whatever it is that I know God wants for us, for me, I mean, there's general things that he wants for all of us. And that's what James has been talking about. And then there's specific things that he wants for me to do and you to do and each and one, every one of us to do. And we need to be busy doing those things because God has called us to obedience. And that's what it means to walk by faith. It means to obey. It means to obey whatever it is God is calling you to do. A couple weeks ago, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul said, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by the things that we see in this world. All the things that 
that attract our senses, our sight. They're all of the world. And none of them are eternal. They're all going to perish one day. And Paul said, we're going to live by the things of faith, the things that we cannot see, the spirit realm of things. We live in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. And our heart and our mind is set on things above. Our heart and our mind is set on the things of God, the truths of God and the ways of God. Everything else is sight. And Paul said, we live, or we walk by faith and not by sight. And, and last week and this week, James chapter 2, James says, faith, again, the faith issue, walking by faith, faith without deeds is useless. It's dead. It is dead in the water. I've had a number of boats over my years, and once in a while, <laughs> I find myself dead in the water, like out there in the ocean with a dead motor that will not run. Or, or somebody's fishing line got hung up in my motor and sucked up into my engine. I had a really nice big bay liner. Did a lot of work to it, had the motor redone and the whole compartment redone and I get out on the water. And within a day, I had sucked up somebody's like trolling line, very thick line, had sucked up into my engine and I was dead in the water, dead in the water. That motor wasn't gonna run, it wasn't gonna get me anywhere. And so I had to call Seato and they came out and towed me back in. Thank the Lord for Seato. You always want to have Seato on your side, okay? But James says in chapter 2, verse 17, faith without deeds is dead. It's like your boat is dead in the water. Your life is dead. It is meaningless and useless. It is dead faith without action. And that's what we've been talking about. And this is James. He is the younger brother of Jesus. And his book is about uh, living a Christian life. And he's primarily speaking to the Jews who have given their life to Christ. They have come into the faith. And now they're trying to figure out the difference between being a Jew serving God and being a Christian serving God. And, and what does that look like? And James has talked about all kinds of things in chapter 1 and chapter 2 about what it means to be a Christian, to walk by faith, to walk the Christian walk. And we came to chapter 2, verses 14 to 26, and I want to read that and continue where we left off right here. Okay, what good is my brother and sisters? That's all of us, because that's all there are. Brothers and sisters, two genders, two sexes, that's it, no more. James says, what good is it, my brother and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is God, there is one God, good. 
Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he, Abraham, was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she offered or when she gave lodging to the spies and then sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let me pray. Father, we love you and pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes to you today. God, that we would desire, that we would have a hunger and a thirst for the things that are of you. That we will want to live on this planet in ways that please you and honor you. That we would be considered your friend that we are friends of God. There is no greater friend to be. So Father, speak to us. Draw us close to you. Help us to listen to what James is saying and then go do it. Help us to put into practice the things that we're learning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, last week, out of this passage, these verses, we pointed out, I pointed out five uh, kind of set up words that James uses for us in these in these verses. Today, what we want to do, what I want to do is just go back and march through these verses again and, and really uh, remind us and encourage us to the same thing that James is encouraging his readers, these Jewish Christians, on how to walk by faith, how to live your life walking by faith. And that Faith is, this is the truth of what James is saying to us, faith is belief, trust, and devotion in Jesus. It is that. It is belief. It is trust. It is devotion and worship and a lot of other words we could put there in Jesus and him alone supported by evidence, supported by a life of good deeds, a life just flowing with good works, works that honor God, things that, that are serving God in his kingdom. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, this is Paul speaking, and, and he and James are, are so in line with one another, it's, it's so amazing and awesome to see. Paul says, for it is by grace that you have been saved. Did you get that? It is by grace that you and I are saved, and it's only because God has acted on our behalf. He has given us his son. He has poured out his spirit. He has come to this earth to say, to rescue us from our sin. He did all that. There's nothing we did for that to happen. We are saved by the grace of God. But notice what he says. We are saved by grace through faith. It's our faith in Jesus. It's our connection to him. It's our response to God. 
that brings us in through the doorway to grace, to salvation. Grace is available to anyone, but not everyone has accepted God's grace. Some people just look at it and walk away. Some people ignore it. Some people want nothing to do with it, and others embrace it. And we all get to decide what we're going to do with God's grace. When we talk about God's grace, we're talking about his son, Jesus, who came and died for our sins. But we are saved by grace, through faith. And look what he says. This is not of yourself. It is a gift from God. It is the gift of God. It's his gift to you and me. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Grace did not come to this earth because I do good things. Grace came because God is loving and full of grace. I did nothing. I can do nothing for God's grace to come. Paul says, verse 9, not by work so that no one can boast, nobody. Then he says in verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. He's working on us. He, he is working on our heart. He's drawing us closer to him. He's molding and shaping us. He's using trials and things that happen in our life to make us more like Jesus. We are his handiwork, created. We are being recreated in Christ Jesus. Look, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so Paul, he clarifies where grace and works fit. We don't do the works to get the grace. Grace is a gift from God. But once we've come into grace, now God wants to use us. He's recreated us to do good works. Why? So that others will come to know him. So that his will will be done on this earth through you and through me and through anyone who chooses to honor him with their life. What an amazing passage that is, that we are created in Christ Jesus. We have come into Christ by grace, through faith, for one purpose, and that is to do good works. And by the way, these are things that God has prepared in advance for you and I to do. So God has a purpose for you. He knows exactly why he put you here and he's got a work for you to do. Man, I hope we're about it. I hope we're busy figuring it out. I hope we're busy trying to, to determine what is it, God, that you wanna do in my life for your kingdom and we will get busy doing whatever it is God wants us to to do. See, Paul and James, they are in complete agreement. We are saved by grace and called to action. Paul says it, and that's what James says. So everyone that claims to be a believer also has a responsibility to find their place of service in the kingdom, right? We're to find our place of service, and then we're to get busy serving others. Maybe that's in the church. That should be in the church, in the body of Christ. There are plenty of ways for you to get involved in the service of the kingdom of God in the church, in the body of Christ. Teaching a class, working with kids, discipling others, serving on a team, being a deacon, being on a mission team, becoming an elder, spiritual shepherd of the flock working with our children, working with teenagers. There's so many ways, so many teams, so many ministries 
that the church needs people like you and me to say, God, use me in some way and then find that place and get busy in it. If you're not serving in the church, you're not living according to what God has called us to do. We are to be busy serving the body of Christ. It shouldn't be all about us that we just get, get served all the time. We should be serving others. Iron sharpens iron. And so when we serve and others serve along with us, together we are growing up in our faith and in the community. Right in the community, we should be like serving somewhere. We should find a place to serve in the community. Maybe it's the soup kitchen or maybe it's at the YMCA or maybe it's coaching or it's the homeless or, 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 or caring for the needy. There are hundreds and hundreds of ways for a Christian to find a place of service in the community to spread the good news and the love of Christ. You should be doing that. As Christians, we should be doing that. Get involved somewhere. Get involved anywhere and serve the church and go serve the community. This is what James is urging us toward. He's prodding us toward this. And we are commanded to go and to be the light of the world, to go into all the world and reach and teach and baptize and lead people closer to Christ. As a Christian, this is our obligation. This is our responsibility. This is what we should be doing. This is what we must be doing. Are you doing that? Are you and I doing this? We've got to go and do something for the kingdom. Something. Your work in the mission field don't miss this statement. Your work in the mission field confirms your faith in Jesus. Your work, the deeds that you do, the action of your life in the mission field for the kingdom of God, it confirms that you truly are in love with Jesus, that you have faith in Jesus and that you are walking by faith. Look, it's the evidence of real faith. Good deeds. It's, it's where mercy flows, not just to you, but it's where mercy flows through you. It's where true fruit grows. And if that tomato plant isn't going to produce tomato, it has got to be plucked. Don't claim to be a tomato plant in my garden and not produce tomatoes. So ask yourself, where's my place? Where is my place of service? And then I would say, take a risk and go big. Go and get involved somewhere in the kingdom. So let's get into the passage here. Let's get into it. Verse 14, James says, What good is it, my brother, or my brothers and sisters? I've got brothers. I've got a sister who I love more than life. And growing up with them was an amazing childhood of our lives. For my parents to have eight kids and us to grow up together in the same house, we, we took it all for granted. We didn't think about the fact that there's eight of us. We kind of knew that other families didn't have that many kids. 
We just took it for granted that we just were a mob of people. We were a gang of, teen, of kids just growing up, getting beat on because me and Steve were the youngest and the older ones were, you know, we were their tackling dummies and we were the ones they ran over in the yard with a football. And James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters? And so we get a feel for what, that, what that's like, brothers and sisters. Like in the kingdom of God, we are brothers and sisters. We are family. In the kingdom of God, we, we, are, like, we are like brothers and sisters in Christ. That's eternal. That's an eternal family. And so James is, is like saying, you guys, you're a family, you're brothers and your sisters. But then he says, look, he says, look, if, if someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds, can such a faith save them? And the obvious answer is no, absolutely, it cannot. It cannot. Like I meet, I meet people, right? I meet a lot of people. I hang out at the coffee shop because I like to work there. I like to rub shoulders with people. I get to talk to people. I learn all kinds of interesting stories of people's life. I meet, I meet preachers. I meet uh, uh, artists. I, I talked with a guy the other day who uh, was in prison for 20 years because he murdered someone and is now he's out. And, and so you get to meet a lot of interesting people when you rub shoulders with people. And I always start, you know, the conversation or we I break into a light. Usually they got a hat on or they got a shirt on and I make a call. Oh, you're a Blackhawks fan. Oh, you're a sale. Oh, you're from Buffalo. Are you? you know, whatever, whatever it takes to, to get the conversation going. Are you a student at the college? Whatever, whatever, whatever. You look like an athlete. Now, nah, whatever it takes to get the conversation started. But I always ask like, so, so like, um, do you have a church home? Uh, where do you go to worship? Like I try to get to that pretty quickly, right? And, and they always say, or, or most of the times they, they say, yeah, I'm a member at uh, 17th Baptist Church or whatever, whatever church they go to. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool. That's awesome. I'm like, what, like, what do you do there? What, what do you, how do you serve? Are you involved somewhere? You know, you help the kids. You, you, work, you work with the teenagers. And eight out of 10 times, what I get back at that moment is deer in the headlights. Like, like, serve? Like, me do something? It's like, like what, they're, what they want to say, but they won't come out and say it is, I, I, I attend there. Like, no, I just attend there. That's where I go to worship. I show up. They don't say this, but this is what they're implying. I show up and everyone else serves me. Now, we, we, do, we, we, we know that that doesn't sound right, right? And it always baffles me. And, and there's a lot that I want to say in that moment. But usually I say, I'll say something like, Oh, wow. You, you know, you should find a place to get involved. Like, get involved in your church. Serve somewhere. But, but here's my new line. I, I've got a new line. I think I might try this one next time. Uh, James used some sarcasm in our passage. And so, you know, if James did it, why can't I do it? And so next time somebody says that, I'm going to say to them this. I'm going to say, oh, so you have faith. 
You go worship at this place, but you have no deeds? Can that faith really save you? Have a good day, see you, and walk away. Verse 15. James says, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is not alive. It's dead. It is dead and it is so dead. Jesus once said to the disciples, you will always have the poor among you. They're always going to be the poor people among you. So in the long scheme of things, they are not the main focus. There's always going to be people who need your help. There's always going to be people who need something. James is saying we need to be busy helping them, but that is not the main purpose of our life. There's always going to be poor people around you. In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, on the day of judgment Jesus is talking about, he says that we are going to be judged greatly by the way we respond to the needy, to the hungry, the thirsty, those in prison, those who are naked, those who are hurting. How we respond to the needs of people is going to determine to a large degree if we're a sheep or a goat. Like how we respond to people in need. And then do you remember those piercing words that Jesus said in that passage? He said these words. He said, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. So in other words, if you help those people, you are helping Jesus. And if you do not help those people, you walk by those people, you ignore those people, you are ignoring Jesus. That's a pretty sobering thought. And I know there is so much need all around us, everywhere you turn, almost every street corner, at Walmart now, at almost every turn into Walmart, around Walmart, there's somebody standing there with a sign. Needy. And it is so difficult to know what to do. But maybe what it's time for is somebody in the body of Christ, and maybe this is you, to step up and start something that addresses the need. Like maybe that's where God wants you to be, right there figuring out a way to help people in real ways so that they don't have to keep standing on that corner asking for, for money or for something, but that you can actually help these people find rescue. Maybe that's somebody. I wonder who that will be. I wonder who it will be that will take James at his word today. I wonder who that might be. Maybe somebody listening in today. I hope so. See, see a need, see a need, and then go do something about it. See a need, and if you feel God's prompting, do something about it. Go do something, even if you have to make it up. 
and create a ministry that has never been done before. Go and do it. It's really not that hard. It really isn't that hard. Don't complicate it. Do not complicate it. Because here's the truth. We are all, we are all, me included, we are all just a bunch of nobodies trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. That's all we are. We are just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That's all we are in the, the grand scheme of it all. We are just lost people who, who have been shown the grace of God by the grace of God. And now we want other people to know that amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And I want other people to see. I want other people to experience the grace and the mercy of God. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. See, it's, it's totally impossible it is completely impossible, even though this is all we try to do, it is completely impossible to show somebody your faith by words only. It's impossible. You cannot do that. In fact, this is why Jesus blasted the Pharisees, right? They were all just a bunch of hot air. They just said things, but they didn't do it. They expected others to do it, but they themselves were unwilling to do what they were trying to get other people to do. They were hypocrites. I believe what Jesus said about them was that they were whitewashed tombs, all pretty on the outside, nice and whitely painted, beautifully looking, but on the inside full of dead men's bones. They were dead on the inside. There was nothing of value there. It was death. And today, today, you and I are blessed Today, you and I are blessed, blessed because we get to decide today who we want to be from this moment going forward. Are you going to be the guy or the girl who talks about faith but has no deeds? Or will you be the person who will show the world our faith by what you do? You get to decide today what you are going to be. A doer or a hearer? Leaders lead by example. Be a leader for God. Be the one who says, I will show you my faith by my deeds, by the way I live my life. See, verse 19, he says, you believe that there is one God? Good, good for you. Even the demons believe that, and, and the demons, they shudder. Like, they shudder at the thought of God. They, they get fearful of the thought of God. If you've ever been very scared about something that might have happened quickly, and you just your body just went like shock almost, and it just scared the living tar out of you, I've been in that situation more than once. That is a fearful place to be, but that's how the demons react to the name of Jesus. That's how the demons react to God. They shudder because they know, they know 
that their time is limited. And do you know what the only difference is between a demon and a person who is deedless but claims to be a believer? You know the only difference is? The demon shudders. The demon actually shudders. They tremble in fear because they know that eternal condemnation is what's in store for them in their future. But the claiming believer has been duped into thinking that he's okay. Doesn't even realize the seriousness of his dilemma because he says he has faith. He might even show up at church or watch church on the TV and be a part of worship, but there's nothing to back up his faith. There are no actions. There are no deeds to support. There's no evidence of his faith in real life ways, but he thinks that he's okay. He thinks he's okay. He is okay in his comfortable little bubble. But both the demon and the claiming believer are headed for the same place. Do you hear what James is trying to urge us toward? It's not enough for us to just like know things. It's not enough for us just to like have Bible study or, or go to worship. I mean, all those things are good things for us. But if we don't have evidence that backs up a life full of faith and good deeds for the kingdom of God, then we're just kidding ourselves. Like James said, we're foolish. We're fools. Verse 20, you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? He did that. You see that his faith and his action were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. He believed God. Faith and belief is action he lived out. He didn't just have a mental assent that there is a God, but his faith and his actions were working together. He believed God. He trusted God. He did what God called him to do. And because of it, he was called God's friend. See, James reminds these Jews, because that's who he's writing to. Remember the Jews. He's reminding them of their father, Father Abraham. Abraham is the father of many nations, right? He is their father. He is their go-to. They all know about Abraham. The whole Jewish nation came through Father Abraham. And he's pointing out what Abraham's faith looked like. And that Abraham was considered righteous for what he did. Abraham demonstrated a complete faith. Not half a faith, but a complete faith faith. And he goes down as one of the greatest men, one of the greatest men of God to ever step on the planet because of what he did, because of his actions. And James is like, 
Let me mention another person to you, a highly unlikely person, but one that you are most likely aware of because you've heard the story. And what James is saying is you better hold on tight because this person is going to blow most theologies out of the water. And James says this, in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Rahab the prostitute, a woman of the night, a harlot. She's mentioned right here, and she's mentioned in the Hebrews 11 passage, the one that talks about all of the heroes of our faith. Abraham and Moses and Jacob and Isaac, Rahab. She came to the rescue of God's people, the spies, when they went into the land with Joshua. And as a result, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. And when James said earlier in chapter 1, God has chosen the lowly people to become rich in his eyes, or rich in the faith, and believers in a humble circumstance to take pride in their high position, Rahab the prostitute probably fits this lowly position. Abraham, Abraham. Think of the two extremes. Abraham, the father of many nations, and Rahab, the woman of many men, a Canaanite woman. Talk about two extremes, and yet both of them are considered righteous for what they did because they not only believed God, but they did what God called them to do. And James has one last comment on the subject. Verse 26, he says, as the body without the spirit or without breath is dead, I don't know if you've ever been in a room when somebody breathed their last breath, but it's an airy moment when somebody exhales and they never inhale again. And then you have a funeral because they're dead. But that is a very airy moment when that happens. James says, as the body without the spirit is now dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This is a, an illustration of great force, death, death, death. James uses death of the human body when the spirit leaves that body and they are no more to compare what faith without deeds is like. That is a strong comparison it is a dead faith that has no action to back it up. It is a useless faith that has no evidence of God in your life. It is good for nothing faith. It is unsalty, it is lifeless, and it is empty of Christ-likeness. Faith without deeds. Faith without deeds is a lifeless body. It will do nothing. It is a boat dead on the water. Dead on the water. No faith at all. 
And here's why, here's why. Because faith and action working together is God-like. It's God-like. God is the God of truth and action. And he has been at work from the very beginning of time. And he continues to work to this very minute. It is so God-like to be a God of truth and action. He is the God of action. And so faith with no action is godless and empty of the very character of God and the very character of life. James is saying to us today, Walk by faith. Walk by faith as you live your life. Let your path be littered with good deeds for God. Let the path behind you be littered with things that you are doing for the kingdom of God. Don't let the path behind you be littered with things that don't matter. Don't let it be littered with stuff that's going to perish. Count the cost. Leave no doubt that you are here on the planet understanding the grace of God and you are serving the king with everything in you that the priorities of God are more important to you than the priorities of this world or the priorities that you would like to have of the flesh and that you are investing your life in things that are eternal and matter and that when you look back at your life, it is littered with things that represent the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Leave no doubt. So that one day what you'll hear from the mouth of God is well done, good and faithful servant. Two weeks ago, I challenged you, I challenged us to pay attention to what motivates our decisions, to ask ourselves why. Why are we buying this? Why are we buying that? Why are we investing in this? Why are we doing these things? Why are these things a part of our life? Why are we going here and going there? Why are we using our time the way we use our time? Because once you, once you, and once you are so busy and your week is so full doing the things that you want to do, you have got to ask yourself, what are you doing for the kingdom of God? Do these things matter? Have we put the proper priorities in our, in our week, in our day, in our hours, in our minutes? Why am I doing this? I hope, I hope and pray to God that we will ask ourselves at every turn, why? Is this benefiting the kingdom of God? Does this have any eternal significance whatsoever? And then we will be sure that we are doing things that matter for our children, for our grandchildren, for our families, for our community, for the church, that we are pointing people to Christ, that we are doing things that matter to God, not just to us. This week, I want, to, I, want us, I want to challenge us with this. Ask yourself this simple question. Is my faith in God supported by evidence? How am I using my time, my talents, my treasures, my days, my weeks, my months, my calendar, my job, my career, my schooling? How am I using what God has blessed me with?
Am I using these things for his kingdom? And is there evidence? Is there evidence to support that I am? Where am I serving the Lord in his kingdom? Where am I serving God in the church? What do I do in the local church that I claim to be a part of? What am I doing to serve others in the church? And what am I doing for the kingdom of God to serve others in the community? What am I doing? I cannot just listen to a message that James shares with us about faith without deeds is dead and then not go out and make some adjustments. I have got to. I have got to make some adjustments. And if you don't have a good answer to serving God in this church or serving God in this community, if you look at your life and you're like, you know what? I'm too busy doing me. I don't have time to do God. If that's true for you, if you look at your life and you go, you know what, I need to make some changes. I need to make some adjustments. I am doing very little for the kingdom of God. I am investing all of my life and time really in things that don't matter at all. And I need to make a change. If that is you, I would love to have coffee with you. I would love to get together and have a cup of coffee with you and figure out ways that we can plug into the kingdom of God and get busy serving in his church. I'll buy the coffee. I know it's expensive, but I'll buy it. I'll buy it, okay? But for now, for now, as we chew on this, as we consider what James has said to us the last two weeks, with the apostles, we say this, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase my faith. Whatever that might look like tomorrow, Father, help me do whatever is necessary that my faith in you, my belief in you, and the evidence of my faith would grow more and more and more and more. That when you come back, I won't hear, cast him out, but I will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. And may we all draw closer to the Lord in a world that is moving as fast as it can away. Hang on to the only hope that we have, which is Jesus. See you next time.